Hello and welcome to the Xbox World Strongcast for uh, August the 5th. Oh my god. August the 5th. It's late in the year already, man. We're halfway through. We're well over halfway through. Hello. Days it's are getting darker. Clo- closer to Christmas than it is to... Uh, Earlier, yeah. yeah. Oh. So I'm here with uh, Matt. Hello. And not Tim. He's um he's gonna try and turn up later on. He's actually in a meeting right now. I'm I'm willing to bet he won't. We're when the rainiest day of the year it's gotta be. And uh Well, it's rainy anyway and it sucks here. It's just um you know what it was like. Just think about what it was like yesterday. There you go. That's that's what it's like today <laughs> yeah. for us. Yeah. We're talking to you from the past. Um it's uh it's wet, it's rainy in Bath, and we gotta walk from one office to another. You see, um future's kinda of spread out in Bath. Got lots of different offices with lots of different jobs. And um, it's a good five-minute walk in the rain to get where we are. And Matt and I had umbrellas, but Tim, in his um, in his preparedness, didn't. Uh, I don't think he's packed an umbrella today, uh, right? No, I don't think so. So I don't see him. I don't see up. him coming. But let's just put us uh, see. You know, if he turns up, it'll be a nice little surprise. And if not, then we told you so. Yeah, yeah. Check out this bullshit. What's so up? So I went to our deli, right? Um, we have a deli at, uh, at our building. One just, floor below us. It's one, why we, occasionally we come in in the morning, it smells of rotten cabbage. Yeah, if they're preparing whatever it is, if they're preparing a meal of rotten cabbage for lunch, it'll smell like rotten cabbage. And I went in there because it used to be, I, the deli used to be quite good actually. Because um, you used to get like decent fruit juice and they'd have like lots of bowls of fruit yeah. and stuff like that. And you can just get good stuff. And I've moaned about this before that you go in there now and it's just nothing but candy coated shit. I really it's like just, the I, lo- I really like the guy in the deli. He's really oh yeah, nice. The, guy, the guys in the deli are great. And occasionally I treat myself to a little uh, like a little flapjack or something. But like very like one every four months or well, something. We it's forget not... you know, don't be lest our audience forget that you pellet, you are metabolismo <laughs> and you'll process anything that you pour down your neck. You thought you could pour like a, a, a like a vat of golden syrup down your neck and Hey, it, that's my breakfast. Mike. You, you just process it. <laughs> that's it's what just, I do. Yeah, no problem. You and strike is it's painful to watch. When Matt's had his, his delicious dinner of some cheese strings, Lunchables, and two boosts. I don't. I only have one boost, and I don't have Lunchables. I have cheese strings. Sometimes I have a Pepper Army. I'll have a, a Pepper Army. Either Skips or Hula Hoops. I'm on some Hula Hoops skips. right now. <laughs> and I've still, I've got them in my cupboard. I've yet all, to bring them in. I've all still, brought in in a Thomas the Tank Engine lunchbox. I've got, I've got some twelve today, but in my cupboard at home, I've got some Curly Whirly. Curly Whirlies. <laughs> blast in the past. But anyway, you go in there and these days, I don't know if they're suppliers or whatever, you go in there now. Or maybe it's just like catering to the, the diets of most of the people at, at our at future. Because you go in there now and it's just candy coated bullshit everywhere it's pastries it's chocolate it's chocolate covered pastries it's pastry covered chocolate and that's it um and you hit lunch and it's just like chips and chips and fish and chips <laughs> and i went in there today to get myself a um a fruit juice just so i was like because you used to do big bottles of fruit juice really big bottles one, one i used to one have like 50. orange and carrot and it was really nice orange and carrot yeah you sure you haven't made that up <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely carrot, and I think it might be an orange, but maybe I'm just getting confused with the colour. I don't know. Well, anyway, I looked in the fridge, no orange juice. Went over to the counter, no orange juice. Nothing that resembled fruit whatsoever. They had, like, these, like, drinks that are... Um, what like, about the candy apples, Mike? Oh, brilliant. Well, yeah, what about the candy floss? They had, a, they had like, a candy floss machine there, and a Mr. Whippy. I'm <laughs> uh, sorry, I shouldn't be mean to these guys, because they, they are a brilliant bunch, and they're probably, presumably, they're just catering to, like, what people want to eat in the future. Which for those like is Matt, it's cheese strings and, and pepperamis and skips. But I was after something that would actually like benefit me as a human being. So I was like fruit juice, fruit juice. 
And they had like that awful, I don't know what it's called. In fact, if I did know what it's called, I probably wouldn't give it a name because I'm about to, to say really mean things about it. But it's like mineral water with like fruit juice. Okay. It's squash. It's squash in a bottle. I got my bottle of Kiora for like 99p and make my own squash. So that's like a quid 50. So I was like, come on, fruit juice, fruit juice. And I looked and I looked and look what I found. The only fruit juice I found was a 200 mil carton of Don Simon orange juice from Concentrate, mind you. It's a mouthful. For a grown man, yeah, it's, it's a is. mouthful it's of It's one of those juice. little child boxes so where you get the straw, you pull it off, and you have to pop it through the top. I'm going to have my orange juice now. So you just talk amongst yourselves. Th- this I... isn't nearly as exciting as the day we ate crickets. No, it's not. <laughs> Hearing you, like, take off your straw for your orange juice yeah, box. Oh, What's it like, Mike? Small. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is the worst podcast we've winged ever. <laughs> yeah. Someone said, actually, on uh, Twitter the other day, oh, you guys should uh, bring back the mad sweet eating and stuff. And I was like, well, two reasons why we wouldn't do that. One, nobody liked it. (laughs) And it's just massively indulgent. It's just like, it's just for our own amusement. And two, we we ate crickets. Where do you go from there? We ate insects, man. Like you're talking about some pink flamingos going out to the street and scooping up dog poo and eating. (laughs) Like that's what we'd have to do to try and top eating insects. Would you do it? No. Eat dog shit? No. Eat dog shit? I never would. If you have a price. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we're not playing this game and we're certainly not playing this game on the podcast from, but no I love this orange juice for a million pounds a million pounds I don't think I would a million pounds <laughs> I don't think I would would you I'd, I'd eat my own shit for a million pounds <laughs> oh dear a million pounds don't Jesus, look at like that so um, normally we kick off podcasts with what you've been playing this, uh, this time it's, uh, it's a guess of raising the stakes game of uh, of can you top this Sorry about that, readers. But um, we haven't really been playing much, no. right? Well, we have, but not all that much that's relevant. I mean, I was off at a Gears event the other day, but I'm NDA'd up for that. I did play Rage a few a couple of weeks oh, ago, yeah, and okay, I can about talk about Rage. Okay. But before I get to that, like at home, you know, is where we do a lot of our playing nowadays, um, I've been playing Silent Hill 2, ready for the old HD collection to come out in November, which it will do for 360. Yeah. Mike. Well, I'm just finishing off my Don Simon. Even though it's been reported it's PS3, it's coming to 360 as well. Mm. So, um, see, so yeah, I've been playing a little bit of Silent Hill 2 with the wife. With no the one, wife? With the wife. She's brave. She loves horror games. Okay. So, um, it's nowhere near as scary as I remembered. Like Pyramid Head. I, I get that he's an iconic character and everything, but he's really not that, that frightening at all. He's in, really in, slow in, and in cumbersome. The movie, didn't he rip a girl's skin off? Maybe. Like, he literally... Grabbed her by the back scruff of the neck, <clears throat> twisted and ripped her skin off like in, in, in one go. That's a hell of a trick. <laughs> that's that, a party trick. That's, that's a like, magic trick. That's like the Paul Daniels, you know, you, you put all the stuff on the table and you just go, and all the stuff on the table is still standing. Yeah. Except he did it with a woman's skin. Yeah, but I bet she wasn't still standing afterwards, so. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think he fluffed that trick. He's walking around going, ah. So uh, I've been playing a little bit of Silent Hill too, and like I say, Pyramid Head nowhere near as scary as people Is there make out about remember. Scary? Um, some bits, I don't know. It being ten years old and clearly a game from like a previous decade, I think it loses a lot of its impact. Um, like some of the some of the like the early apartment, yeah. There's creepy atmosphere and there's nice camera tricks and some of the music's really well used. That's not at all off putting. Um, but I don't know, the monsters really are. Yeah, my value of it, man, it's cost me 45p. <laughs> and you know what it's like? I mean, 
That's, that's like a day's wages these days. Everyone's worried about the problems. It's two days' yeah. wages for me. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so, so it's a page of freelance. So it's it's not as not as frightening as I'd hoped it would be still. But um, it's still a great game. You can't deny that Silent Hill 2 is one of the all-time best horror games. So it's, it's a PlayStation 2 game, right? PlayStation 2. PlayStation 2 game. And it did come out on the original Xbox. Mm-hmm. It's, I think it's really compatible, but you don't even need to be because it's coming out as a re Yeah, along release. with Silent Hill 3. Yeah. Um, it's a pack I'm looking forward to. I mean, you know me. I, like, I love my horror games. I'm not looking forward to that pack, that pack as much as I am Resi 4. And Code Veronica mm-hmm. coming out on uh, Games on Demand. I wonder how Code Veronica will hold up. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, not that well. It's a really good shooter. But not that well, if I'm being perfectly honest. I don't think it'll be. Um, it'll stand up to today's tests. Mm. Um, tell you what, they're fifteen ninety nine each. That's a lot of money, for, certainly for Code Veronica. <sighs> I mean, I, I'd still argue, you know what, Resi 4 is worth it. Whether or not they should be charging that is another matter entirely, yeah, given it's been out so many times. Yeah, because they're not playing out it's games no. on demand. Um, like, I think 1,200 points might have been the sweet spot. Oh, 1,200 points for Resident Evil 4 would have been great. Yeah. And, um, and Code Veronica, that would have been just right. But, uh, but yeah, 16 quid is, I don't know, a little bit too much for many people. Yeah, I think so um, too. Yeah, it's a bit asking a bit much. Given their age and how many times have they been been around. Um, but I'm not the only one who's been you know, diving into the library of old games and digging something up. You two have been there. Uh, yeah, I'm playing Resident Evil. I've been playing um, Resident Evil 4. So that. I've been playing um, Metal Gear Solid 4, another 4. Which, of course, is one of the only Metal Gears not to be coming to 360. We've got 2, 3, and Peace Walker coming, but no 4. Yeah, you know, there's, there's something funny. There's something everybody forgets. The original Metal Gear Solid 1 mm-hmm. came out on PC and it was published by Microsoft. Uh, yeah. That wasn't part of the. That was just the original one, was it? Not the Twin Snakes that came out on GameCube. No, that was just the original. It's just okay. straight the version, the PlayStation version of the game, and he had a slightly mm. and Snake had a different face, a more detailed face, and he looked weird. Really? Remember, like back then, a lot of PlayStation games came out on PC. Final Fantasy VII was on PC. It was. It was indeed. Yeah, and this uh, obviously that's like the the way to play it. Although if you run it on a HD screen these days, those pre-rendered backdrops do not hold up. Hey, the way to play Final Fantasy VII and, and, and indeed Nine, which I'm still playing today is to play it on your PSP. Definitely on a PSP. You play it on that little screen and everything looks... Handhelds are perfect. The future of JRPG is handheld, without doubt. I think I might have said on the podcast when I asked the Final Fantasy guys at E3 about, you know, Dragon Quest. You're now seeing new Dragon Quest coming out on on DS. Would you ever do that with Final Fantasy? They're like, no, because Final Fantasy has to have the latest graphics, like the best graphics possible. Mm -hmm. Like That is, is core to the series. But... Like all the old Final Fantasies, I mean, Tactics has just come out on iPod. Uh, yeah. Sorry, iPod Touch, iOS, iPhone, yeah. iPad. Um, it's a way to play it, like Chrono Trigger on my DS. It's great. It means train Final journeys. Fantasy Tactics is hot, man. And this is a Thursday. So if you guys are listening to this on your iDevice, which uh, a lot of you imagine are, um, yesterday um, Final Fantasy Tactics came out on iPhone. Uh, that's, a, that's a great game. That's a great, great game. Um Bit expensive though. It's fifteen bucks, which I would imagine will translate over here to like nine quid, which mm. to me is a is a big ask. That's a lot of money, man. Like, uh, you know, forget uh, forget what anyone says. Like about you got to look at the market. Forget what anyone says about like you know, so well, you know, it costs forty quid when it first came out. It was like yeah, but it first came out like fourteen years ago or whatever it was. Yeah. You know, it was a PlayStation, PlayStation One game. Yeah, it's, it is a lot of money. I don't know. I I, I think it's worth it, but I don't I don't think people will necessarily see it as value for money when no. when you look at. Nine ninety nine weighed up against sixty. Is it sixty nine p now yeah. for the 
Yeah. They've gone up from 59p. Well, you know, there was like a, like a penny arcade strip earlier in the week where you were talking about comparing like iOS games to 3DS games. And you're like, well, there are better games on 3DS. 3DS is pretty good. We'll talk about 3DS later. Mm-hmm. But um, like, you know, it's like you, I'll, I'll buy you know, I'll buy 50 $1 games. You buy one $50 game and we'll see who has more fun. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like that's that's what you're up against. And if, if, the, if you're putting your game out for 10 quid mm-hmm. and you've got, you got, it's got to be better than you know, 12, 13, 14, 60p yeah. games, uh, which, yeah, you know, it might be, it actually might be. So it's a really great game, but uh, we'll see if you, if you're, if you're so inclined, you can grab it right now from the, uh, from the app store, but I've been playing, uh, sorry, it's very early in the morning readers. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, my, it's, uh, it's a tough day. It's a tough day. It's rainy. It's wet. And, um, we're pounding through with the redesign. We are pounding taking through the it out of Oh, us. we'll talk about that later as yeah, well. Yeah, for sure. But so check it out. I've been playing Metal Gear Solid 4. And I think readers will have heard us, heard me say that before. Oh, I'm playing Metal Gear Solid 4. Because it's like a game I keep returning to, which is weird because it's not a game I, I'm a, a particularly big fan of. <laughs> I think it's okay. I think it's pretty good. But I want, I kind of want to play Metal Gear Solid 3 right now. And I'm just decided I'm going to wait. I'll play yeah, just it. hold off. I'll play it on the HD version, really enjoy it in you know, 60 frames a second, HD, lovely, widescreen. So I jumped into Metal Gear Solid 4, and I'll tell you what, man, that's a good-looking game. And it's, it's really great-looking, and it's really fun. And it does that awesome thing that I love about the Metal Gear Solid games, which isn't, like, the 10 billion cutscenes, because, you know, everybody, I mean, I skipped through all that. It's the, um, it's the way that they give you so many tools that you can do every mission in so many different ways. I mean, essentially, you're just like sneaking through to the end, but there's so many ways to do each, to get past every single bit. You shoot your way through. You put them to sleep. You give them a. You side your side and take them. You creep up behind them and put and like and choke them unconscious. Yeah. You roll in a barrel and you knock them over in a barrel. You put down a copy of Playboy and they get distracted by it and they sit down and they read it and then you just walk on by. There's so many tools, more than you'd ever need. Yeah. And I was sitting there playing it. And my girlfriend was watching me play because I don't know I think we both got girlfriends who just sit and watch the games playing it. And uh, I said to her, "Man, Kojima, that guy loves guns. Like, he, like he's got a real boner for guns. He really, really, really likes guns. That game's got, I think, fourteen pistols. Like, and people are sitting there and going, well, you know, modern warfare, modern combat, modern warfare rather has got like a lot of pistols.' You're like, yeah, it has.'" This game's got 14 pistols and they all feel great. They yeah. all feel like they should. They all have a different effect. And then it's got like six or seven submachine guns. And it's got like eight rifles and they're all customizable. Every yeah. gun can be modded and changed and adjusted and tweaked. Almost every gun, I should say. And then there's all the extra devices you can use and all the gadgets and all the grenades. There's like eight different grenades. And every gun's got, every shotgun's got three different rounds it can use. And when you put an underslung grenade launcher, you've got two different types of grenade you yeah. can put in there. That, that game, there's too much game there. It's just too much stuff. Like if he, if Kojima put in just less stuff in his games, you'd have a game that would score as highly. It would be as critically acclaimed. But you'd have a new game every two years yeah. instead of every four. And I think we're all expecting to to announce Metal Gear Solid Five at, at TGS, TGS this year. Yeah. And alongside Metal Gear see, Solid Rising, yeah, see more of Rising, because uh, well, you know it's uh, that month is actually the um, the twenty fifth anniversary of uh, of Metal Gear, going all the way back to the uh, MSX days, and it's the perfect time to announce that. Remember, that's why the HD collection comes out in November. Yeah, we'll go back. We'll you know we'll be, get to play all of those games again. But looking forward a little bit, you're like, well, 
God, I really like it if Kojima would bang out more games more often. But I guess what makes his games what they are is the sheer amount of love he puts yeah. into it. That he's sitting behind some designer's shoulder, looking at the gun, going, "Now it needs to be, you know, it needs to be that little bit more, that little bit more better, that little bit better. You know, it needs to be that little bit more precise. It needs to feel that little bit more like the real thing." You can you can imagine this guy just haranguing his staff. It must be the hardest boss to work under, just because everything has to be perfect. For sure. But then, how rewarding is that? Come, you know, the game's release. Yeah. Like to to sit there and think I've worked on one of the best games of this generation, which invariably, you know, Metal Gears tend to be. It's funny though. It's like we were talking in the office the other day with the guys on PSM, and they asked, you know, what do you think is like the definitive Kojima game? Not like the best metal, the best game he's made. Yeah. What is the Kojimaist? Kojima game ever and so it's definitely not Metal Gear Solid 4 definitely not because that Did you game say two or? yeah that's what I said and Metal Gear Solid 4 is just like um it's it's too pandas too much to the west yeah. and I don't think that's a bad thing I think that's what it needed to do but it's definitely it's things in that game that aren't his yeah. like the control scheme that is not a Kojima control scheme there's um there's like they weren't able to use the original Metal Gear Solid theme in that game even because of the Konami is I think they're not, they're, they, they think they're a little afraid because the original theme sounds so much like this old Russian theme. Right. So they're a little afraid to ever use it again. But you can, you know, like if Kojima could, he would. Mm. And there's like a lot of things that you feel like are concessions. And there's just a couple of really duff levels as well. Now, MGS2 isn't the best Metal Gear. MGS3 is by yeah. far the best Metal Gear. But MGS2 is pure kojima batshit kojima from minute one every minute of that game it's like from right down to like getting rid of the main character yeah. in the first For hour sure. of the game all the way up to that final sequence where you're just you know you're in, you're running through this, these corridors naked, well, naked and, and you know covering your little bits up and just the whole thing like the end everyone's just like what what happened everything goes <laughs> mental at the end none of it make none of it makes no. sense at all and that to me is like the, the purest Kojima mm. game. Like that that is absolutely in every way Kojima to his core. Still are you gonna are you gonna be playing all three when they come out on three sixty? Do you think you'll only bother with three in Peace Walker? Do you think you'll give two the time of I'm day? I'm gonna again? play three on uh, Xbox because I, I prefer the controller. Mm. I'm gonna probably play Peace Walker on um PS3. Oh okay, how come? Just because so I can the... import my save because I've got the save in the PSP version. And you put a lot and of and hours carry into on playing it. on my Vita, which I'm, I am going to be getting. Yeah. So Vita's been announced uh, for next year now. It's yes. coming out in Japan this yeah. year, but it's hitting USA and Europe mm. next year. That sucks, man. I wanted it this year. And I was going to import an American one anyway. Yeah. But now it's next year. It's no good. No, it's not. That's all right. Because, I mean, to be honest, Mike, we've got one of the busiest Christmas periods of, the, of all time. I mean... You're looking at the list of games that are coming out this year. Would you have time to play your Vita when you've got Skyrim? That's what Toilet Breaks Dark are for. Dark Souls. Man. Oh, come on. That's what Toilet Breaks are for. <laughs> that's, what, that's, that's the only reason I want a Vita. Like, I think it's never leaving the house. It's just you, uh, you, you, go to the, you go to the bathroom, you do a little, you take care of a little business, and you play on your Vita. And also, they've been, in, in, um, Sony announced this week, it does support remote play, just like, uh, just like PSP Well, did. well, well, look who, what the dra dog's dragged oh, in. Oh, God, here he is. Weaver's just turned up outside the door with an umbrella. Yeah, so... We didn't give him enough credit. No, we really didn't. We should give him more credit in the future. Nah, no, let's not. Let's no. not. Here he is. Hey! Ray! Hello! You're on this one. You're on this mic just here. Fun meeting. You had an umbrella and everything. 
I did. Well, it's, ra it's raining out there, Mike. Well, we talked about it's that. It's absolutely coming down. Yeah. But did you talk about the guy I just passed in the street who was in full cowboy regalia? <laughs> no. Raining outside, but he's, he's, he thinks it's the Wild West. <laughs> did he have, like, a lasso and everything? He didn't have a lasso, but he had the cowboy hat. He had the the waistcoat, like the leather sort of cowhide waistcoat. Yeah. He had the boots. Yeah. He had... Did he have spurs? He didn't have spurs, no. Uh, and you got unrealistic expectations, <laughs> pal. Yeah, I mean... Well, next you're going to ask, cow. is he riding in on a horse? <laughs> well, was he? I mean, no, he wasn't. But it was as close to a cowboy's bus I've ever seen. That's disappointing, cow. That's... Roman there's a brilliant cowboy. guy who um, works outside the Jane Eyre store and there's like, there's like a... No, Jane Austen Centre. It's like uh, the Jane Austen Centre in Bath because it's Bath, you know, we, we like the people like old shit in Bath. And um, as do we all, all of us English graduates, uh, which, which none of us are. Um, there's a guy who stands outside there in like, kind of like a town crier regalia. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, very, uh, very dapper. I'll tell you what, that would yeah. be a bold move just to wear that out. I would, Saturday night. That would be a real bold move. Saturday night, yeah. Walking to Revolution. Go to Bristol, Mike. That's where you want to go on Saturday night <laughs> hit with that. Bristol, hit Bristol, uh, hit... Because Bath's a bit like, road and yeah, people would be a bit like... Hit Gloucester Road. There'd be some people who would be quite aggressive about it, but there'd be other people like, oh, look at him, wonderful, look, yeah. he's getting in the spirit of things. <laughs> yeah. In Bristol, they go, they go probably mental Bro about Broken, that. yeah. yeah. <laughs> they'd react scared and confused, kind of like the um, the apes in Planet of the Apes. Yeah, exactly. The rise of the Planet of the Apes, even. Yeah. They, uh, you know, they, they don't understand man, so they get, react aggressively. Yeah. So what have you guys been talking about then? We're just talking about PlayStation Vita. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's being bumped back to next year now, which, yeah, yeah. Ha which happened, by the way, during your meeting. <coughs> oh, they, right, they, okay. It was announced. But saying they um, announced Remote Play for Vita, which yeah. is cool because uh, you know, the idea is you stream your PlayStation 3 games to your Vita, which is the Wii U's killer app. Yeah, that you, you know, absolutely. You can, can do it at the press of a button, though, same as Wii U. Well, we'll see. We don't, we don't, we don't, I don't know. It will probably require more setting up because yeah. anything Sony requires 10 steps. Yeah. To do anything on PlayStation, you've got to go through 10 different steps to get to it. And the other thing is, will it support every game? Because it, every play PS3 game is actually capable of streaming mm. to the PSP. All you've got to do is hack the game and change a file in there uh, if you've got a hacked PlayStation 3. Um of course, not a lot of the games work because you're missing a second analog stick, and that's a that's a real that's problem for a crucial. lot of PlayStation games. But there's videos on YouTube of people playing Call of Duty on a, P a PlayStation, a uh, PlayStation Portable. But you know, you're just moving around like it's Duke. You can be oh, I'm not Duke. You can be in Doom. You can't yeah. you can't aim on the uh, on any axis. But it is it's something the device can do, and I wonder if maybe Sony will retrofit all of those games. Not even retrofit them, just put a patch on, which just it alters it so you can stream every single game. So does it not play PS3 games as because the quality of the games is going to be PS3 standard, correct? It'll be absolutely the actual PS Vita games are kind of halfway between PS2 and PS3. Yeah, right. Okay. Uh, but the killer app is that if you own a PS3, then you can just run your uh, you can run those games. And what it does essentially is send the video of that game to your thing. Right. It sends you a video of you playing the game. You send your button presses back. Yeah. And it's so you've got a wireless controller with the screen in it, basically. Yeah. And the screen and the machine are going to be capable of that level of... I mean, because if, if the, the standard of the games is somewhere between PS2 and PS3... I mean, you're talking about full-on PS3 games here, presumably. Though. Well, yeah, because the game, the machine won't be doing any processing at all. I suppose it won't, yeah. All it's going to be doing is running a video mm. of, of the play, and that's the cool thing about it's the clever, on, about, Yeah, it's, that's the whole thing that OnLive's predicated on, you know, the OnLive yeah. game streaming thing. Except there, you're not streaming from a PlayStation that's in a room next door, you're streaming from a, a server that's hopefully in the same city. Yeah. And I at E3 last year, I actually played Metal Gear Solid, uh, Metal Gear Solid Splinter Cell Conviction, 
just running it through Aaron because I, I, I picked that game because it's a game I'm really familiar with. And you know what? It doesn't feel as immediate. It doesn't feel as precise. But it did feel precise enough to play and immediate right, enough okay. to play. And it means you could play Splinter Cell Conviction running at full PC resolution on an iPad, for something, for instance, on, mm. on a mobile phone, on a pocket calculator, essentially, anything that can receive a Wi-Fi signal and video. Mm. Uh, is it the future of games? I'm not sure, but I think the idea of streaming it on your own hub in your own house is, is a pretty big thing. Mm. If it weren't mm. a big thing, Nintendo wouldn't have jumped on it. No. Nintendo know what they're doing, man. I look at their, their thing, and they've got like basically an iPad with buttons on it, and it just streams the game straight off the hub, and you can take them anywhere in the house. Mm. That's a pretty smart idea. And that Vita can do it as well. I think you'll see Sony making a big deal out of that in coming months. Yeah. I was In the meeting I was just in, I can't really talk about details, obviously, but we, one interesting conversation we, we had was about Nintendo and how they, how they uh, perhaps realised that the launch, in inverted commas, of, of, of Wii U at E3 was such a massive balls-up that they, they've basically battened down the hatches now and will not comment, will not talk about, will not reveal anything about Wii U at all. It's for fear of saying the wrong thing. For, for, for fear of saying the wrong thing. And also, it's not going to be at Gamescom. Not even, they're not even talking about it at Gamescom. Mm. So it's, uh, I assume they're going to use Tokyo Game Show, I would think. I mean, that's, that's the big show. Yeah. Surely Tokyo Game Show, because it's the only TGS that's going to happen between no, now and the launch of the device. Exactly. So... It's interesting. I mean, it's interesting that all that criticism they got for for the way that they handled the not the machine necessarily or its capabilities, but the way they handled the explanation yeah. of it has really because Nintendo, having worked on Nintendo Man for a lot of years, don't really tend to listen particularly to what people think. No. They just kind of they do do their, do their own thing, and if it's and usually it works. Let's be honest. Although in 3DS's case, maybe not so much. Well, you know what? 3DS has sold four and a half million units. I don't know what world we live in where four and a half million units isn't respectable. Yeah, number. I mean it is a lot of numbers, but I guess you know, in context, in 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 terms of how we did before and three and uh, the ordinary DS has done before it, maybe. Well, you're it's, it's actually selling more than the original DS did at this point in its life. Yeah, I think they just the fact that they're they're chopping the price though suggests that their expectations for it and the amount oh, it's sold. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I agreed. And I, I, as a 3DS owner, an early adopter, a mug, as, they, as I think Nintendo like to call us. We've all been mugged, Mike. Look yeah. at Connect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the 3DS is a, a device I spent 220 quid on. This is now going to be 150 quid. Yeah. You know, a funny bit of trivia, though. Nintendo mm. the other day said this is the uh, the biggest reduction of a Nintendo device that is this soon in history, and they're apologizing for it and so on. Which is, which in itself is really weird, by the way. The yeah. way they're apologizing. Mm, yeah. It's just saying, we're reducing the price for all the new customers. Yeah. And, oh, by the way, you guys, you get you get some free games yeah. out of it. Instead of doing that, they're going, we are so sorry. Yeah. It's a sort of very Japanese way of... Very, very, very Japanese. Yeah. Well, anyway, they said it's the biggest reduction, but it's not the biggest reduction. That is bullshit. Um, the biggest reduction was the N64. I remember that. I was going to say. Which uh, came out on shelves at £250. Yeah. Uh, in, within three months, it was down to £150, which is a, yeah. a £100 price drop in three months. Yeah. Was now, it that much? It was, I thought it was £199. No, it's that much, because right. I wrote to Nintendo and complained... And they sent a free controller to me, a blue one, and uh, I wrote no, a black one. And I wrote back and I said, "That's that's kind of covers twenty five quid. What about the rest?" Yeah. So they sent you Terok. <laughs> no, they sent me Mario Kart. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, they sent me Mario Kart. That's all right. Yeah, I think uh, they was they were 
It was covered 75 quid. Yeah. I must confess, like the freebies I'm going to be getting for my 3DS, I'm quite happy because uh, a lot of games, a lot of very, very good games as no, well. I'm saying games, but, I'm never, never going to play them. No, though. I know that you're not. It's never going to play them. It's, uh, it's like, to me, it's a waste of money. So, so what are the freebies you're getting? Uh, you get like 10 NES games before they come out um, to the general public, stuff like Legend of Zelda too. and things. NES but games. you also get 10 Game Boy Advance games, including stuff like Mario Kart Super Circuit, Yoshi's Island, uh, Super Mario Advance 4, which is Super Mario Brothers three i think Not too bad, uh, metroid fusion oh, right, i've played it and i own half these anyway, but, they're, but they're they're all really really yeah, good, games. good games um we're waiting on one more hopefully it'll be something like minish cap um that'll be a very nice sweetener to round it off because they've announced nine uh, mario for, versus donkey kong 3ds advance wars 3ds advance wars justifies mm. my purchase to be honest mm. like I'm, I, I'm an advance wars guy so yeah. it's the only game i played on uh gba hey, maybe the maybe the I final one will be advance wars who knows like uh, you know i can I, i've got advance wars and the best the best advance wars is days is still days of ruin the uh yeah. the fourth one is it fourth one yeah the fourth one so i don't know i'm cool with i'm cool with yeah. uh playing that on my, G- my 3DS for now. Get some WarioWare, or, or WarioWare as we call Wario it, Wario. over, in, over in the bridge. Um, Silence, there's an explosion there's, outside. Yeah, someone, someone's digging up the road outside. <laughs> this is the worst podcast it ever. It really is. Before you came in, we were talking about what, what we've been playing, and we moved on to Vita. I did mention, and it's worth going back to Rage, it. Right? I was going to talk about Rage, indeed. I, I went and played it a couple of weeks ago and sat down with id Software's Tim Willits as well. Had an interesting chat with him that you'll be able to see in a in a future issue and or slash episode of the Xbox World show, uh, which you'll be uh, you'll be watching on our on our free DVD. Um, Rage is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Because I good. I saw those. I haven't seen it in action, but I saw the I've seen loads of videos of it, and <laughs> uh, although it looks absolutely beautiful, there are a couple of things that concern me. One, the buggy racing. Mm-hmm. No game I've ever played has done vehicular combat well. No, um, oh, maybe apart from Mario combat's, Kart. Vehicular combat's really yeah, different. there's 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 not a lot of it if you don't want it. In fact, if you if but don't you, you need don't to like, get in your buggy to, in order to 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 move from A to world. B. Yeah, that's only a minor thing compared to to the rest of it. If you don't like racing or anything, I think throughout the whole game. You can get by doing two races, and that's it. You don't need to do anything more beyond that, other than just using your buggy to to move from environment to environment. And to be honest, you don't at any one given point you don't need to go that far mm. um, in your car. By the way, the cars actually handle pretty decently. No, I, I, like combat, I'm, sure I, I'm I'm with you guys on this. Like, I have no interest in, in car combat. It, you know, they it sort of worked in a sort of fudgy way in Borderlands. It sort of works in a fudgy kind of way in Rage. Um, the cars feel very nice to use, but for me, the the real thing is the shooting. Is your second point going to be you're concerned at some of the enemy feedback when you shoot them? Yeah, I mean, there was that one video where it was what I can't remember was it Goliath or something, yeah, something like that. Something it big. was called, and it, it came, it sort of boom, boom, yeah. boom into and the it, scene. And it felt like your bullets weren't really doing and your much. bullet. Your get gun was literally like a cat gun. Yeah, I mean, you were like. And this thing was like kind of coming in and you were shooting it and it was making no difference. And all that happened in that two minute video was he circle strafed the hell yeah. out of the whole place. Around and around and around and around and around and around and around for about two minutes yeah. until this thing was finally dead. And to me, that's not my idea of a, no, of well, a fun No, well, unfortunately, shooter. we played the first three hours of the game. We didn't encounter anything that big. Um, but I saw the same video and I'm similarly concerned about when we do meet these you know more powerful characters 
whether it will just be like a, a bullet sponge. Um, but for the regular Joes, the little like mutants who come and try and stab you with their like shards of glass or whatever, it actually feels pretty nice. Um, rage is... I don't know how they kept it secret, but Rage is just a typical corridor shooter mm. in many ways. It's just like in between the corridors, you've got these buggy moments. You can sort of tell that from the videos, but I think maybe people have... They've not really... Picked up on that, really, yeah. yeah. Like, you, you drive to a location. So, first of all, you're, you know, in this post-apocalyptic world. You go meet people, you get missions from them, uh, and, you know, you get a little marker on your map where you need to go. So, you drive there, and then there'll be posts outside the doorway essentially where you need to go where you can't take your buggy in so you get off and you go in and then the complex will be basically a long twisting turning corridor um filled with enemies which is something it's got a lot of uh you know a lot of history of a doing strong corridor it yeah yeah and and again they're very strong this time around and the monster it, i say the monsters they're obviously human enemies and then human mutants and other weird crazy things it was kind of weird when I was playing it because they're all like, they all free run throughout the environment. So certainly the first environment that you encounter in the game, you're attacked by these mutants and I'm standing there with pistol trying to shoot them. They're like pretty much jumping over the bullets. They're swinging and like wall running and bouncing and rolling. And I found it pretty tough. They were closing that down the distance. Like designed so can... for a mouse and keyboard to me. Yeah. Well, it was designed for like 30 minutes later when I pick up a great shotgun, oh. a brilliant shotgun. And then they'll do that and I let them get right up in my face and I'll just blast them once and they're dead. Very nice shotgun. Nice slow movement of putting in the cartridges when you reload. Feels very, very nice to, to handle. The pistol you start off with feels like you say, just like a cap gun. Mm. Didn't really do a whole lot. When I shot someone, like they would stagger and stumble and it looked as though I had hit them rather than them just soaking it up and some invisible health bar draining. Um, but I, it, it was... A struggle a lot of the time to actually hit these people uh, it's only until you, you yeah. know when you get the crossbows and the shotguns i mean that was why i was a bit surprised else. by what i saw because it traditionally make great guns i mean yeah. they make great weapons well no doom 3 had some rotten guns did it I, i'm not yeah, i'm not really a massively okay with it i never doom really played it was like to be like classic games quake doom man there's some good guns in those games but doom 3 was the get was was the game where you played it you, you don't even know you're pulling the trigger on those guns right really really puny guns i think i think the thing that's worth mentioning about rage's weapons is the upgrade system now originally when they were talking about the upgrade system they were saying like you go out and you scavenge these parts and you bolt them onto your guns mm. and you bolt them onto your vehicle well in actual fact it doesn't quite work like that the vehicle upgrades are this entirely separate section whereby you can enter yourself into these races into these you know destruction derby zones and from that you get a certificate that you can then trade for upgrades um, on the weapons front, when you do missions for people, they tend to give you tangible rewards. So they'll either give you a new weapon or they'll give you um, some items or they'll give you schematics to build stuff yourself. And now for the most part, these schematics are um, like ways to get into new areas. So you'll, you'll create one which is like a... I can't remember what it's called, but it's like it soars through locks. So like if you pick up a cog and, I don't know, I say a bottle. Gear gating, basically, aren't you? It's like you you build this thing yeah, to get into the essentially, yeah. and then you can like drill through locks and stuff. Um, but you'll also um, learn how to make new new types of ammo. And basically, the weapon upgrades are primarily done with with new ammunition. So for the pistol that you start off with, that cap gun. Um, first of all, you can buy half a binocular, um, and and 
basically use it a monocular, a, mon a monocular, if you will, use it in tandem with the gun, and then you've essentially got a sniper rifle. You can zoom in and shoot people with the mm. with a pistol, but you can uh, create big boy ammo. Is it big boy? Something like that, uh, which is like double the size of regular ammo, double the power, double the strength, but obviously you can only fit half of them in, in the clip. So that's like the upgraded pistol. And then beyond that, you can create this other type of ammunition that that's bullets within bullets within bullets. So it's like one big bullet that you put in the clip. And then when that shoots out, bullets from inside come out. So you're upgrading your guns, not by bolting on bits that you find, but by creating new things and using that as the ammunition. Yeah, so what you find is that pistol that starts off pretty weak, about four hours into the game, it gets like a new leash of, lease of life because you've added this, you've created this new type of ammo that suddenly makes it really powerful. Mm. And so it's an interesting way of approaching, you know, new weapons yeah. without having to create new assets essentially or to go down the looting path that they did in Borderlands. And, you know, typical of an id shooter, the, the shooting does feel good, the combat mm. feels great. Um, albeit, as I said, I haven't managed to yet fight these, these bigger no. cre creatures. At one point I did fight uh, like a sub-boss who... Uh, I was in a garage at one point and a car burst through and there was a, a turret on top and a guy was operating the turret and I had to like duck out when he was changing the ammo and shoot him in the head a couple of times. And he did have a health bar and that was interesting. That felt very old school. Mm. Um, and I wasn't, it kind of worked in the situation, but I wasn't sure what, how many people will yeah. I mean, like I'm, that, given that all the minions around him were going down with like, you know, a couple of shots. Yeah, I'm not. I've always maintained. I've always said to you guys, I, I'm not a massive fan of shooters where you have to no. the whole time like bullet sponges. You know, I'm. I, I guess I, you know, like one of the the sort of games that I enjoy most of the games, like I guess Goldeneye or yeah. Hitman or whatever. Who where you bang one bullet yeah. down, like like you know, like a like Rainbow Six, yeah. old school Rainbow yeah, Six and like stuff. Right? Call yeah. of Duty, you get that instant yeah. feedback. You put you look at someone. Pull the trigger and boom, they drop. I think yeah. health bars just break the fiction, right? Like if you shoot someone in the head, you expect them to die, like they die. Like, but but so. also, I think the, the important thing is that you must feel powerful. I know that there's like a, you know an upgrade system, and you need to like constantly improve. And the enemies are always going to get tougher and stuff, so they have to make the enemies tougher in some way. But it's a, like you say, it's a very old school way of making enemies tougher. You know. Instead of doing like super, super smart AI and having them, although it sounds like they are trying it with like yeah, running out the walls yeah. and all that sort of stuff, you you basically wang a health bar on your on your enemy, and then you all you have to do is just be really, really hard, yeah. you know. And for me, that's not I don't I, I don't really go for that kind of thing. I'm I'm really interested in seeing how it comes out because yeah. I think it looks stunning as you'd expect. And but the other thing, just just lastly, the other thing that slightly disappointed me in the videos I watched was he. He made this kind of approach up like a mountain pass and looked down into this like this valley and it was stunning, like a beautiful yeah. vista and stuff. And down down in the sort of floor of the, the valley was this kind of settlement. And there were all these mutant freaks yeah. down there and stuff, and you could see a million around. And I think he did have the the half of the monocular on his on his um on, on his rifle and he, he kind of zoomed in and uh, sort of looked, checked them all out and sort of saw where they were and that kind of stuff. And then is there? There's a crossbow as well, isn't there? There is a crossbow. Yeah, yeah, which I sort of assumed would be a, your stealth weapon. Yeah, you know that's what you use to kind of get yourself an initial ad, uh, advantage. He swapped to the crossbow, um, which I'm sort of remembering as having some sort of magnification on it, but that may be just me remembering the sniper rifle. But anyway, switch to the crossbow. He plugged one of these guys in the in the settlement, and then literally all hell, hell broke loose. Like they 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 went. <laughs> 
you know, they were suddenly going on. They, they ran straight up this mountain pass right towards him. And right. I was like, wait a minute. What's the point in a crossbow yeah, yeah. if you're not... That's, uh, that's a big problem in a lot of games. Like you gotta, if, you want, if you want to play the players and not feel like they've been robbed, the mm. enemies have to behave with a consistent AI. That's, which is, if they don't see where the shot came yeah. from, they, they shouldn't come towards yeah. you. That's why or, I really... You, you should be able to run. If they hear the shot... Yeah. And you run somewhere and they don't see where you run. They should go towards where they heard the shot, mm. not towards where you I mean, you're that's running. what Metal that, Gear was doing, yeah. like, in 1997. Exactly. Or and it's, this, it's a problem that Far Cry 2 had, a great game, but it Absolutely. had that problem. Metro 2033, great game, but it had that exact same problem, where enemies, would they're all connected, they're all wired together with the same yeah. AI, and they're psychic. One of my favourite mechanics in recent times was the splinter of conviction, like the last... Sighting. Yeah, brilliant idea. Yeah. So like, there'll be this ghost. When an enemy spots you, a ghost will appear of where you were and seen. Of course, it's such is so good. They liked it so much. They put it in Deus Ex. Yeah. So like, you you can run away, uh, yeah, and, last, and last they'll still think you're LKP the last as they so, um, branded it. So yeah, and I think you know it, it could do with having that. A couple of times, I felt like headshots weren't fully registering, but it might just. I mean, it was early code, mm. not that early, given that it's Tell out in a month. PlayStation version, Matt. It's nowhere near as good. Yeah, what the hell Texture is it with popping. that? What What's the hell is with that? It's, just, it's, it's, it's 2011. Yeah, we no. got to the point where basically PlayStation 3 games and Xbox games are basically look as good as yeah. one another. Now, for a while, it was taken as red that the Xbox version mm. would look better. Now we got to the point where mostly like single format games often look better on yep. PS3 and multi-format games look about the same. But not this one, right? No, no, it looks a lot better on... I mean, obviously, it looks best on PC. But you know, 360 actually looks surprisingly decent. Well, right, 60 frames, right? right yeah, 60 games. frames. But they, they do say install it. They like, do to the point that it's the one. Of, it's the only game I've seen where you, when you when first you start the game, it, on, it comes up. Yeah, with, it says please install yeah, it with a note saying for the best for the optimal experience in storage to your hard drive, which is sensible. You know, I've got no problem with that. I do that with every game these days anyway, yeah. for just two reasons. One, it's the machine runs quieter, and two, everything loads faster. I like games, not loading screens, man. It's it's interesting though that um, there's now seems to be like such a a distinct, uh, you know, uh, a real line in the sand between people who are who are um, like uh, I'm thinking of like Team Bondi here, who developed on PS3 first to ensure that the PS3 with its difficult mm. development architecture, the version of that could be, you know, I was think top. The first guys to do that were Criterion with uh, Burnout Paradise. Paradise. Yeah, yeah, they developed on PlayStation 3 first. And and that to me makes sense. I, the only reason I say that is because I wonder whether with it they've got such a heritage on PC and the Xbox architecture is so similar that there's probably been not easy, but it's probably been relatively straightforward to kind of get it working in a really nice way on Xbox. Whereas PS3 is so different yeah. that we're facing this problem really that that PS3 faced right at the start of this generation where people just couldn't get a handle yeah. on it. I mean, it's weird because Carmack's like one of the best problem solvers in the business. Yeah. Like, yeah, give Carmack's that guy a, a challenge a and wizard. he'll uh, yeah, you know, he'll have solved it before you, know, you ask him. He's talking on Twitter about it. He said like, he's thinking about ta tackling like power soon. Right. Like not computer power. Like, like how we power. How, how we power the how, world. Yeah, right? how like. And he got me thinking. It's like, you know, maybe, maybe John Carmack really is wasted on video games. Yeah. You know, maybe we've got a genuine genius on our hands and, we're, and he's making 60 frames a second video games <laughs> instead of saving the world. You know, he's, uh, I mean, this guy is a guy, and I say there's stories about this where, you know, people have gone home from work on an evening, come back in the morning, and John's still sitting at their computer, right. just tapping away. Just go, just, and he's just, he's overnight, he's just optimized their code just for, just for fun. You know, that's the kind of, that's the kind of wizard he is. He's, yeah. uh, and he's, I, I made a mistake, like, 
Id are probably the only guys in the business who could turn out Rage on 360 at 60 frames a second. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's because of John. It's, it's an astonishing technical achievement. I was chatting to to Tim Tim Willits, and he said, uh, you know, I asked him how, you know, at the start of the generation when we were seeing stuff like Perfect Dark Zero and Far Cry Instinct Predator, like that was six years ago. Now we're seeing stuff like Rage. Like, how are they doing it? It's mm. like, we are pushing the 360 to its limit. There is nothing it yeah. could, we can get out of this. Rage more is it. Than rage, rage. rage is the yeah. fuck of the game. Rage is the fuck. I mean, that... rage, rage and four is a four. You look at those and you think that's it. There's Skyrim as well. Throw Skyrim in that ring, Mike. Yeah, there's, there's not, you're not getting any more juice out of this. No. And that's it's interesting it. that everyone seems to be in tune about that now, don't they? This, everyone seems to be saying the same thing: is that we need the next Xbox. We've now. we've reached a point now. It's like for ages, everyone was saying there's more to get. There's more to get. Well, rage is the more. That's yeah. it. That's that's the that's the more you can. That's the most you can get. And now it's time. It's time. Won't necessarily be the best we can get. It's worth highlighting that, like the technical the stuff and the, the actual side, game. Yeah. Like, does anyone here think Rage is going to be better than say Skyrim? No, no, no one does. I think it's going to be a, a decent game though. But you know, sixty frames a second in Tech Five. Oh, yeah. I want to see more games like <laughs> like that using that engine for sure now. Yeah. Well, it can count on one release. Doom Four. Doom Four. Yeah. It's QuakeCon right now, so in fact, like you might have heard something by the time this podcast yeah, goes up Yeah, we don't tomorrow. know what's happening at QuakeCon, um, but by the time it gets to Friday, there's a good chance uh, someone's walked on stage and made the official Doom announcement, which of course everyone knows it exists. Yeah, in fact, Tim confirmed like at the event the other week, he said, well, you know we're making Doom 4, because I was asking him why there was no deathmatch in Rage, it seems like such an odd thing, and he's like, well... I wonder what we're holding Deathmatch over for, you know. No, it's right, a pretty okay. safe bet. So, um, so yeah, it, to be honest, given that he was being quite open about that, I fully expect something to be announced today. Otherwise, yeah. he would have... And plainly, that'll be next-gen uh, machines. Uh, Will it? I, I'd be surprised. Well, you know what? If it comes out next year, it could still be... Yeah. If, if, if they're planning on next year... I don't know. I reckon they might hold that over to next-gen machines. Because the thing is... It, it might be one of those games where they do it on both, you know? They yeah, do they it, might they, do, they, yeah. Do, uh, they do a release on... They, Hitman Blood Money. Hitman Blood Money, Tomb Raider Legend. Because <laughs> think think how good it's going to be going to look, rather, on PC yeah. by the time it comes out. I mean, there's no way they're going to be able to get close to that on... No. On, on 360 so and then it should be pretty easy as well like the beauty of vidtech 5 is that it's scalable and mm. they said like tim said like we're ready for next gen like mm. and it'll be pretty simple to do and it's scalable right down to the iphone and right up to whatever the future brings. The, the only reason i say that as well is because we know that it'd take ages to bring games out you know like rage was supposed to come out when autumn oh, last year or something originally yeah. so you know it's almost a year over what they thought it was going to be. Now it's probably two, two and a bit years until the next Xbox comes out. I wonder if having Zenimax money changes things though, and uh, Bethesda as a publisher. Maybe, although I imagine that part of the agreement was they had a ton of autonomy. Yeah. You know, because they got their own engine. You know, they they're a they they've been a a sort of standalone developer for such a long time. You know, even I don't know whether they were actually were they actually owned by Activision or were they they just they were published by Activision. Published, the yeah. yeah. So they they they've been they've had an autonomy for ages. So I, I don't imagine that Zenimax are. I mean, I imagine there's a sort of business discussion where they say when are you going to get this game out? We need it out for here. But I don't imagine there's that level of kind of daily pressure of yeah. where the hell are you? What yeah. you know? Where when the hell is this game coming out? But you know, what you rage is when beginning of October. Uh, yes. Yeah, I think it is. Yes, no, it October eighth or something. Like Seventh. Seventh. Yeah. So it's not far away. It's really not far away. And very close. Same yeah. day as Dark Souls, I believe. Yeah. Oh, Dark Souls. God damn, man! I'm gonna have the biggest stack of unplayed games. That's what I'm saying. You don't need V to this this year, Mike. I do need V to this year because what am I gonna do in the toilet? <laughs> think about your next play session. 
Oh, but I could I could continue my PlayStation my PlayStation though using the PS Vita's. Uh, no, but then you have to turn it on and load up the game. Yeah. I know we keep going on about this autumn release schedule, but okay, Dark Souls same day as Rage. Did you say? It's rage. What was it yesterday, Mike? You were saying why the hell have they released this in November? Oh yeah, um, God, uh, Lord of the Rings: War in the North. Lord of the Rings: War in the North coming out in November. Same month as Skyrim. Um, I mean, and uh, Call of Duty. What yeah. an insane business decision! Yeah. An utterly insane business decision, that is. I mean, why? I mean, it's so obvious. Why do it? I mean, I don't know anything about running a business, but I know that you don't release Lord of the Rings War in the North close to Elder Scrolls Scrolls Skyrim. You just don't do it. Hey... Warner have a shit ton of money to throw at marketing. Yeah, of and course they do. But they it's don't. Lord of the Rings. They, they got a bit. They got a game they can market to the moon. But they haven't, I got, think a, they haven't got a game. They haven't. But I think. So I mean, if, if you look, if you look, that Zumba Fitness has been top of the charts for like a month and a bit now. Like that's not really a good game. Hey, you know what? It's yeah. true. Who knows, who knows what sells these? Like days. if if mum and dad go into shops and like right, little Jimmy needs a game. He likes he Lord likes fancy an RPGs. game though. Yeah, but some parents don't care, do they? Which is wrong, by the way, but they don't. They'll say, oh, what's this? There's Lord of the Rings or there's this Elder Scrolls? No, I've, I, I've, I've heard Lord of the Rings. Let's get Lord of the Rings. I don't think so. I don't, I don't think that'll happen. It's eight, first of all, it's 18 rated. Secondly, kids kids are pretty savvy. If they're getting their parents to get them a game, they're going to say it's Elder Scrolls V Skyrim and they're going to write so. it down. I they're not going to say, please so. can I have a game for Christmas and send their mum and dad out to choose it for them. It's, it's just true. not true. Even when I was a little kid, I wouldn't, uh, I would like, I'd be very specific about the games like what I, was, what I was after for Christmas, you know? Yeah, you write it down for your mum and dad, otherwise they will yeah. get it wrong. Yeah, you know? I remember when I first got Unless my... you're a trendy dad like I remember me. when I, I got a PlayStation one Christmas and it was a surprise. It was a surprise. So it's not like I requested it any any particular games i got two made of three i also got a rallying game i was really excited i was like yeah Colin me cray i got tommy mack and then rallying. Oh, oh. oh shit <laughs> whoops um speaking of being a trendy dad your, your little one's had a bit of a cough right oh yeah you've seen yeah, my yeah, tweets last night yeah yeah oh man i mean i love my daughter obviously more than anything in the world but man alive is a cough annoying it's literally every 20 it's actually better now it was better last night but the night before it's every 20 seconds like like a seal yeah it was because she was so hoarse by the end of it from coughing all the time she was like a seal she was like every 20 seconds all night I kid you not all night she finally went off about 4am on where were we Wednesday today no what day were we Thursday Tuesday night went off about 4am and so so Mrs W and I we got to sleep about 4 quarter past 4 had to wake up at half past 6 because she had, you know, my wife had to go to work. So it was just, and I, I felt sorry for her to start with, but you know, in the early hours of the morning when you're desperate for sleep, the, the noise of a seal in the next room is just, I mean, I feel terrible saying it, but it was so annoying. Oh, <laughs> And I know what it's like because I probably gave it to her because I had it the I had it the week before. Is this when you lost your oh, yeah, voice? Yeah, yeah. yeah. For, for a while in the office, Tim had literally no voice. Yeah, I, I lost it the week before uh, and had a really annoying cough. So I know how annoying it is when you've got it, but I know also know how annoying it is when you you know you have to suffer through it with someone else. The thing about an adult is like an adult will try and stifle their cough. Yeah, like they'll just like try and like just you know, stifle it just so it doesn't cause embarrassment, doesn't annoy people because you get an awareness for how much it gets on everyone's nerves. Little, little kid has no no yeah. awareness zero uh, and because she's obviously got a bit of a tickle she tries to like force it out as well she said so she's like 
you know, it's, oh, it's terrible. It's like really <laughs> terrible. So I feel bad for sort of saying it. And I sort of felt bad after tweeting it last night. But I was like, oh, man, it is annoying. Dad of the year time. Isn't yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> I got a tweet back from a, a woman who follows me. Who's obviously a grand, must be a grandmother. Must, be, must have been, um, must have read. I think she read one of my books and stuff. And, uh, and she said, oh, she was like, I can't remember exactly what she said. But she was obviously quite disappointed in what I tweeted. And I said, look, I'm a big softy, really. But I just, it is really you know, after two hours sleep in one night, you are quite, you're quite grouchy about it at the end, you know? No doubt. So. I tell you what, we should, uh, we should talk about uh, Gamescom. Yes. Because um, it's, <coughs> actually the next podcast we do will be, am I right? Yeah, the week of Friday, mm-hmm. Gamescom's running, because Friday runs Wednesday, Thursday, yeah. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And there'll be a podcast next Friday, not next Friday, the Friday after, yeah. but during Friday during Gamescom. Uh it's not as big a show as E3, but it's great for access. Better access. Yeah, much better for access because you don't get every... The thing about E3 is they invite everyone and his mm. dog. Plebgamer.com, they're there. Joe Bloggs blogs there. Um, and everyone in the world turns up at E3. Now, it doesn't mean everyone gets the great access at E3. That tends to go to... You know, people like us. People like us and, and big and we're big blogs, uh, the Eurogamers, the GameSpots, the IGNs and so on. And... Uh, you get a very, 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 very crowded show floor mm. and you have to navigate those crowds to get to your meetings and stuff. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a tough job. I think, I was, did I say on the podcast, like I've, to give people an idea of, of the types of people who end up at E3, like in the behind closed door stuff, <clears throat> the first game I saw was SSX. We had Todd Batty there, creative director. And so, hi, I'm Todd Batty. I'm creative director of SSX. Welcome. It's like the first time anyone in the world had like seen it properly. <sighs> Ham went up. What does a creative director do? What? Jeez. What That's the, the first frick? question. What does a creative director do? So, so afterwards, I'm going to go ask my questions that you read in the manga a couple of issues ago. Um, but someone else ducks in front of me. So I was like, That's all right. I'll go play the game and I'll ask the questions after. So I'm walking out and the guy's like, So then, I'd quite like to be a creative director. How do you become one? That's his question. Oh, I man. do. The next day, I went to the Sega behind closed door stuff. I would just straight up rugby tackle. The worst, this is worse. I went to a Sega behind closed door stuff. Uh, in the binary domain presentation, there was a guy who was through the translator trying to find out if the guy presenting had worked on Yakuza, he, which he had. He then pulled out his copy of Yakuza and asked him to sign it. Like before the presentation. Like, There's people trying to dude, do business there, man. There's dude, people trying to do work. Seriously. You should, you should have just picked him up on your shoulder and walked him out of the, out of the room. You should have punched him straight in the face. Or in I, the anus. I, I was just horrified. Or just, or just killed him. And, and yeah. you don't get... I mean. When I went to Gamescom a couple of years ago, I think there was some of that, but it wasn't as bad. There'll be like there'll be like blog- bloggers right now going, "Oh man, the self entitlement of these guys, these douchebags. They think they're entitled. And I want the signature on my copy because it's like, no, dude, it's not about that. It's just that we're literally we're 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 going to E3 and Gamescom stuff with a schedule that's literally booked solid. I've got my Gamescom schedule together, and from it's the beautiful thing about Gamescom is it is they have three trade days which overlap with the three public days. So you have Wednesday, Thursday, Friday is trade. Friday, Saturday, Sunday yeah. is public. And they have a whole separate hall just for, for trade. Class, yeah. And it's, it's great. It's really easy to navigate and really easy to get around. But um, when you're like at these shows, you're going in with a schedule that's literally full to bursting. I mean, mm-hmm. I've got from Wednesday at 10 a.m., which is when the show opens, to Friday at 6 p.m. I don't have one half an hour free 
and they divide the entire thing up into half hour slots. Should like, you say business day, like ending at six each day? It's not like at midnight you've got no risen four to see us. But you know what? Even then, I'm going you, to I'm yeah. Going there to are events, events for yeah, sure. There's, there's events after hours, and even then, I'm going to to do to events. There's not even a, there's not even an evening free really. And to be fair, like last year, the, thing, the cool thing about Gamescom is it is in Cologne. Was a few things the Germans do well. Sausages. Yeah, sausages. Yeah, yeah. strong, strong sausages. Sausages. Yeah. Schnitzel. Schnitzel. Like good sh- strong schnitzel. Yeah. Tanks. Tanks. They do well. Strong tanks. Cars. Cars. Strong. Good, yeah. Good, good, cars. good cars. Good cars. Yeah. Beer. Beer. Uh, brilliant beer. They do do nice beer. Although when I went to the pub at um, Gamescom a couple of years ago, I went. The beers we got were like little thimbles full of beer. Yeah, they were tiny the big, little like Steins, big Steins. Yeah, well, and, that's, and that's the thing. You go to Gamescom and the funny thing about Gamescom is like essentially the whole of the UK Games Press relocates to Germany for three or four days. And that means the nights are kind of um, kind of wild. But last year, I was I went out every night to events and the events were sort of peter out at 11 and then that's when you start drinking you're still doing business till 11 o'clock at night you're still grabbing interviews i interviewed suda 51 last year at about 20 past 11 at night you would I mean the guy was knackered but he's a machine he was just he was just promoting 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 and then from there you, you're like oh well, this is probably time for a drink so you head on head on into town and, and you you drink and then and then it's 4 30 in the morning and you're thinking well i probably should get home i gotta be up at nine and even then, I got to be up at eight thirty, and I was rolling in every day at about five, getting into bed, waking up three, two, three hours later, rolling to the event, and then interviews all day, then back out to work on again on Pretty the night. Pretty intense stuff. Isn't it, it um, it fried me so much. I didn't touch a single drop of alcohol from August last year until our, the future's Christmas party. Right. I didn't touch a single drop of booze, and even to this day, beer has been spoiled for me. I couldn't. I couldn't do it. You should have seen the things my body was doing that, that week. <laughs> it was like, I would go to bed and I'd be lying in bed and my belly would be just like, <laughs> it's like just absolutely <laughs> unhappy, miserable, but no, because I had no fiber, no veg, no, nothing good, no vitamins, nothing good, just beer, washing down sausage. Yeah. And that's it. Um, uh, but the thing is, Mike, people out there will be thinking, beer, washing down sausage. That sounds amazing. That's yeah. the week of kings. <laughs> yeah. Four days of it, though. <laughs> I know. And it the does. thing is, because of the schedule you keep, you don't have time to yeah. grab healthy food. No. You don't have time to sit down and like, get yourself a decent salad, a bit of veggie, a proper cooked meal. So you're just grabbing whatever is to hand. Uh, you're grabbing a half a sandwich yeah. here, a, a handful of nuts there. Yeah. And you're just going from thing to thing. And that's why when someone's asking for an autograph at a thing where you're trying to get that one quote you yeah. need to make a story you need back home. You're 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 Dude. bitter. You're Mr. Bitter. E3, I was powered this year for E3. I was powered on cookie dough meal replacement bars for the day, and then I had of the four evenings. I think I got two two of those evenings. I managed to eat some it. One of them, I came back and I scrounged leftover pizza from our editor in chief of games. That's sick. So I was like busy, it, like no John, cold pizza. Yeah, like Jonathan Blow. Uh, we've got in an upcoming issue. We've got a big old feature because we had an hour interview with Jonathan Blow. It was spectacular, but it meant. Like, we had to do that after show hours. You roll back in the hotel about 8 o'clock, and then you've got to write a few thousand words for the website I, that I, night. I remember no podcast, which, of course, we did over... Yeah, uh, every we're night. Gonna, we're going to try and do it at Gamescom as well, try and we do are. some podcasts from the show. Um, it's not going to be quite so easy because uh, uh, just various circumstances. I'm, I'm traveling I'm traveling a lot lighter to the event, so I haven't got the laptop, but I do have Skype on my phone, so we're going to see what, see what we can put together. 
I remember uh, last time I went to E3, it was it was like that. It was because they got a Starbucks, I think, in the convention center, haven't they? Or they used Starbucks to. Starbucks order prices are four times. Higher uh, that's right. Than yeah. Anywhere else in the so world. So I was powered by by Starbucks lattes, which are calorific to say the least. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, but I did did last time I went to E3. I took some because I've said this before. You know, like when you go to America, they fruit. They don't know what it is. Vegetables, forget that. So I took some fruit. Everything I took is some... just, it's just, you get a plate of food, it's just a mountain of protein, a yeah. mountain of carbohydrate. Yeah, yeah. So just all the chips in the world, all the meat in the world. I took um, some, some because you're not allowed to take fruit abroad, obviously, but I took some um, like dried, packed, vacuum-packed uh, fruit. Yeah. So if I thought, yeah, I want something half decent. So I took some of that. And so it was Starbucks lattes and uh, vacuum-packed mango for the uh, <laughs> for the three days of the show. It was... Um, yeah, but you're right. After what? And in the evenings, it's like burger and chips. Yeah, you're right. I, mean, I think the best meal I had at Gamescom last year was a uh, a 12 inch sub from uh, Subway. Not even like it's had a not, bit of lettuce not, in it. Not even yeah. Not even like uh, like a locally made thing. It's just like I I need food. I need it fast. Mm. And I need it cheap. What can I do? Right next to the train there. Because oh, by the way, Cologne's trains brilliant. Yeah. Are flawless. Are mm. On time to the minute. Yeah, I remember when fast, we went to Frankfurt. Clean, cheap. I mean, so cheap. We went to Frankfurt, me and me and the missus, and uh, I'd never been to Germany before and didn't really know what to to kind of expect from it. But I got a lot of time for Germany actually after I went there. Yeah, I thought yeah, it was like really Germany's really clean, nice. you know, like lots of the people are really nice generally. Yeah. Uh, they always try to speak English to you, which I think is like very um, very good of them, considering that German is is also quite a you know w- widely spoken language yeah. and whatever. But but yeah, really nice place, and like I say, the trains and the buses are are really, really good. Make ours look a, a shambles. So, so what are you looking forward to most at Gamescom, Mike? Well, you know, I'm seeing you name your you name you name a major publisher. I'm seeing all of their stuff. Uh, there are a few surprises. There are there are actually a couple of games that are going to be announced mm. at Gamescom, and people will be surprised. Um, perhaps not announced, but maybe re-announced mm. games we kind of knew about but we haven't seen for a long time will appear there. Of course, Borderlands 2 is going to be there. That was announced yesterday. Yeah. Lollipop Chainsaw. Lollipop Chainsaw is going to be there with Suda. So we'll be talking, yeah. we'll be talking to him. There's going to be, uh, obviously, the guys from Battlefield will be, will be mm. there. The guy, and that's, a, that's a big one. I think that's a, a really important that, uh, one. We said on our podcast for E3, Battlefield was like one of my favourite games yeah. to play E3. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to that. I, I think it's, uh, it's a funny year because it's not a big year for... For surprises, or as I say, there are surprises, but it's not—it's not a year where I'm going in completely blind on a lot of these mm. games. A couple of years ago, I went in and it was—we had no idea what we were going to get from so many of the games. And this year, there's a lot of them are real known quantities. Obviously, Skyrim's there, and that's going to make a, a big impression at the show. But we kind of want to know what we're getting. We know we know what we're getting there, and there's uh, there is one notable absence from the show, one very notable absence: Square Enix. They're—they're uh, they're not turning up to games really? at all. No Square Enix. Really? No Square Enix. Why is uh, that then? Bethesda are there, EA are there, obviously. Because Square have got some. Even even Konami are there, but Square aren't. They're uh, they're, they're they're I guess they're gonna, their big show is going to be TGS. I suppose, yeah, Japanese company now, aren't they? You, the thing is, when you think of Square Enix, I, I always like think of IDOS and all the games that they yeah. used to have because yeah. we obviously Just deal with the old so, IDOS yeah. kind of people and stuff. But of course, it's a Japanese company now and I guess their priority is is TGS you which know, Mike again you'll be at yeah I'm doing I'm doing Gamescom and TGS this year funny it's a funny story actually because I um I booked a holiday to Japan my, my girlfriend's always wanted to go to Japan so we booked a holiday to, to Japan for September and realized that the week we booked it is actually the week of TGS so I'm going to do a little bit of business while I'm over there while, business. while she hits the shops yeah it's going to be a it's going to be good both shows when you go it's going to be a lot of great 
great exclusive content coming back for Xbox One. Pretty excited about going to Japan, I imagine. Yeah. Don't, don't, I'd don't love to go It's a great Japan. place. It really is. The Japan. food. And that's a, a mad struggle. slasher that goes, goes, runs yeah, wild. Yeah, that, that wasn't so nice. That no. was a really horrific day, actually, yeah. for us, um, being on the street when that happened. But I think the food, it, by come, how long are you going for a week and a bit? Uh, 12 days. Okay, by the second week, I think you'll be sick of the food. I think so too, because the Japanese palate is uh, much more delicate than the Western yeah. palate. I said this to, to Danielle, I said like, the thing about my um, my palate is I like it to be like, like scorched with flavour. Mm. I like to I like to eat something and it to be such an intense flavour. It's like my, my tongue is on fire with taste. And that's um, what you get from like Italian food. Mm. All the yeah. cheese and the tomato, the richness, the pasta and the bolognese sauces. And they do really strong tomato-y sauce, lots of herbs, lots of spice. And that's why I love curry as well. Again, it's just like it kicks your, your, your mouth's ass, mm. for another phrase. Uh, but Japanese food is quite delicate. Japanese food is quite understated and quite measured. And it's like the tastes are delicate. They're, really, they're nice tastes, but they're really mm. slight tastes, you know? Oh, some of them are nice tastes, some of them are horrible tastes. I was talking to uh, Rich on PC Gamer, and he actually went on holidays to Japan as well. He loved it. He's a vegetarian, um, so it's even harder for him to eat. Yeah, because, of course, it's all fish. But uh, he said that he went to a, tr- a traditional... He had this chain of traditional English, in inverted commas, pubs, where he had such English favourites. You know, all, your, all your English <laughs> favourites, like... Um, like uh, deep fried uh, noodles. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah like, um, I love that. Like, like battered, like deep fried yeah. battered. Yeah, I mean we're always having that oh, down the local. It's, it's my favourite. Yeah. yeah. Any questions for us? Yeah, let's do some questions then. Um, so the brilliantly named Hairy Man 007 says, uh, in your review of Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, you mentioned a large floor near the end of the game. Yeah, I can't for the life of me pinpoint it. Care to shed some light on the matter, Matthew? Maybe when he when I read that question, I was like, "What the hell was it? I've completely forgotten." And uh, Mike, is you it played the entire it. ending. Well, it's when um, I mean, the game's been out so long. Yeah, sorry, just turn off for the next five minutes if you're uh, if you're uh, if you haven't finished yeah. Brotherhood yet. So Ezio goes and he grabs the the apple, yeah. or the piece of Eden, whatever it was in that game. Now I forget. And he's walking around like a just super zapping human, people, yeah. zapping people. You can't fight; you just have to hold it out and zap people. All you can do is run through the streets holding this death ray. It's awful. Yeah. It's, like one of the, it's, a, it's, it's the worst really, mate of the it's series. It's a really sucky ending to a really great game. Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, so it's were, probably the bit he's already played. I would imagine so. Yeah, if it's you can't like avoid right it. So, um, but maybe it didn't offend him as much as it offended us. Like, like there, I hate there it. There were a few problems with with that game in general. Like I think there were a few too many instant fail states, especially when they introduced a lot of missions where you just instant the second you get senior. Yeah, out. and when they introduced the mechanic whereby you could replay levels to earn one hundred percent synchronization if you fulfill certain criteria, the instant fail state should all have been optional and then used for the replay value rather than you can't get past this story moment unless you do yeah, it it should point. have been like okay now you get extra points if you aren't seen yeah. you get an extra bonus or yeah whatever. and and i definitely think they slipped up there but yeah the, the moment when you get the piece riding of horses through cities is bullshit it looks so the narrow dumb. streets and when you find when you it come to like a cul-de-sac essentially and you have to turn around back out oh, and then try the and, get all and you basically see it's you right they said oh yeah we have to ride horses through city streets now and i was like okay what happens when you ride into a crowd it'll be like it just gets smashed out of the way. <laughs> You're galloping into a crowd. It's just a, a big line of people going, oh, yeah, 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 as they get like just blasted yeah. away from you. It looks so dumb. It does. So you know, they, they should have just, if, if you're going to do it, they need an animation, which is them just like jumping out of the way, going, like, like voice, voice samples going, God, he's a madman, you know, and yeah. stuff. You needed that. 
instead of like this <laughs> this crowd of people it, it just you just plow through and, and <laughs> it's like some dead up. rising craziness it looks so dumb and i really hope it's not in revelations no. i really hope it's not in revelations so swali asks will there ever be a flat out ultimate carnage 2 it's called uh ridge racer unbounded yeah, yeah ridge racer unbounded is from the creators of flat out Armor carnage and the gimmick with ridge racer unbounded is basically there are no barriers on the track mm. if you're coming if you if there's a building in your way smash through it if you've got enough boost in your tank you can boost through the building smash through one wall drive through martin rig style yeah. Riggs and Murtaugh style, yeah. plow through the building, take out all the office tables and blast out the other side. But you need boost to do it. Yeah. Boost is your uh, your trick. It always lets you get through walls. And Ridge Racer now, everyone says, oh, you know, what, what about classic Ridge Racer? I like classic Ridge Racer. It still exists. Ridge Racer is now Namco's need for speed. Uh, Ridge Racer is, they can put any kind of racing in they want and they'll market as Ridge Racer, whatever. Ridge Racer unbounded in this case, which isn't a word. <laughs> but um, unbounded, they, they were, Ridge Racer unbounded is what they mean. Unbounded isn't anything. They were clearly going to go for Unleashed and then Shift 2 took it. I think so, yeah. I think so. But it's uh, it's going to be, a, I think, a pretty great racing yeah. game. A pretty great game. The thing you know about Bugbear is they know how to make racing yeah. games. No doubt. And that, they'll, they'll, turn, they'll turn out something really nice. It was, a happy really cry, it was a happy cry in the office when that trailer came out and we first saw it. And then at the end, it's like, like Bugbear. And we're like, Whoa, well, this hey, first really? trailer was abysmal. The one yeah. thing like, Namco do really, really well with the Ridge Racer games is the CGI openings. Their CGI trailers and their CGI openings are just yeah. gorgeous just drop dead beautiful and this red thing here it looked like you know the pre-rendered sequences in like tomb raider the original yeah, tomb raider oh yeah. <laughs> or like the pre-rendered bits in uh in resident evil 2 where it looked rad at the time but now you're like jesus mm. christ was that did we think that was good it looked that like that it looked that bad but then at the end the bugbear logo came up and i was like well you know what shit trailer but the game's gonna be yeah. great because you just know you just know they're gonna do a good job Okay, final question. Well, there was another question, but it was asking about Rage, which we've kind of already covered. So, uh, Sean Richens asks, uh, with the redesigned issue a month away, uh, what are the team's fondest memories from the 108 issues that came before? That's a good question. It is a good question. That's a big um, question. Apart from getting a job, first of all. Yeah, that was <laughs> the downside, helps. obviously. But what about your really exciting times? <laughs> totally missed that one. Um, yeah. Um, Okay, well, I'll kick. I'll kick it off. I guess. I guess one of the. I guess one of the. Ah, it's stuff that we'll still be doing in the redesign. I guess. I guess. But um, one one of the things I do quite enjoy in a sort of um, masochistic kind of way is 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 has always been what we've done around Christmas time when we've had a really really short issue, um, generally about two weeks to get our issue out before Christmas. And we're all kind of in the Christmas spirit. We're all like quite excited Strikes about it. playing his brilliant, his brilliant CD, Christmas CD, music. CD of Christmas music, which is like covers of covers of covers yeah. of songs you didn't last like anyway. Year, last yeah. year's was better though, wasn't it? It was a step up from the previous, the previous year. Previous but years. but anyway, we always, around Christmas time, we do our sort of every game ever uh, kind of um, a kind of feature where we we literally cover off previews of every game coming out in the next year, and uh, we always do that in the we always have done in the old design, and probably won't be able to do it in the new design. No, a new um, design is uh, is kind of got a very different focus to yeah. it, and it's, 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 it's um, something we might struggle to do, but it was always fun. Right? But we always did, yeah, we always do those two weeks. We were always quite excited, all of us, quite sort of. It was a bit of an adrenaline rush because you had to get it out before Christmas. And the cool thing is you've cleared off the slate all of the games everybody knows about. You've cleared yeah. off all the big Christmas games so now you're just looking ahead to yeah. what's next. What's going I always on? really enjoyed that issue because we all, we're all focused on getting it done. We're all really excited about you know taking a look at all the big games uh john traditionally used to redesign our preview section slightly to um 
to tweak it and to make it look a little bit different so that we could celebrate the fact that we got all the games. And I always really enjoyed that issue, despite the fact that we had so little time to do it. Um, because I thought we all like mucked in and we all were really behind it and it was just really good fun. Do you want me to go? Yeah, okay. So I guess for me, the um, one of the big highlights was uh, was playing Goldeneye on, on 360. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like early like early on when I was working on Xbox World, I got a... Uh, we had a, an anonymous uh, tip off that uh, you know this this game exists. It was made. It won't it won't be coming out. And I kind of dismissed it. I wrote it off. But a little bit further down the line, and the game is I, I, it's, it's all, all secrets. But a bit further down the line, I had a chance to see it in action and play it. And it was by far the most all the president's men day of my career. Mm. It's very much like it's like sneaky. It's like you know, it's, it was golden eye gate. Dodgy, yeah, dodgy meetings in uh in underground car parks. Yeah, it's like you, Mike. Yeah, get in. Yeah, it was, it was uh, John Lacari. Yeah, just, uh, it was um, it was and I was like, I just I just give Tim a shout. Like, if um, if you don't hear from me again, tell my nan I love her. Very <laughs> yeah, much. yeah. Um, but yeah, I ended up playing this game and uh, seeing a lot of this game, and we ended up covering the story. And the internet promptly wrote the entire story off as bullshit. Yeah. Uh, said, oh no, this is uh, this can't possibly be true. And then gradually, it became, I think, apparent to everybody. Yes, this 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 really is true. And yeah, we did kind of scoop the world on this one. And it was it was a, a, a I think a, a real a good moment for the mag. It was mm. a, re a really just a really interesting story and one of those stories that you know can only come out of having a good relationship with uh, with the readership. Can only come out of having a of, of you know of having this this reputation that we had that we we're just like this magazine that people enjoy with a, you yeah. know, a good audience of people who would be interested in reading that sort of thing it's uh it's a sort of story you can only cover as the unofficial magazine as well yeah and it really it was, it was just a just a good a moment great, a great story yeah, to good the funny thing is i read back i look back on that story now and i kind of feel like i blew the writing of the story i didn't i don't think i sold it well enough i don't think i wrote it particularly well but we had to turn around so quickly mm. and to turn it around because when the story came to us, the opportunity came up and it was like, it's now or never. Yeah. So we had to turn it around. Like, I feel like, like I feel, I feel like I botched the story. But we had to turn it around quickly because the internet had also sort of, some guy from Rare, I think, had gone on an internet forum and yeah. sort of started talking about it. And it was already a little bit in the public eye and we felt like we needed to strike while the iron was hot, yeah. you know? Yeah. And when we, um, we put like, you know, the, the full details out there and, uh, yeah, was, uh, I had fun with Good that. Moment, I, I had yeah. fun with that one for sure. Yeah. I don't know. I really like to have one hundredth issue celebrations. To be honest, it was just no nice way to. I know we're going to uh, sort of end in a way with one hundred eight, but you know, wrapping up the first one hundred issues with a uh, you know big uh, feature where we talk to pretty much everyone who's important in gaming, mm. um, digging up people, not literally digging them up, but you know, trying to find people like Jay Allard and uh, Alexi Alexi Pajitnov and. Uh, yeah, Bazaar and Tony Hawk, Mel B. Everyone loves Mel B. Yeah. I know, I just thought it was quite nice. It was quite nice to see how many people were, were happy to participate. People like Jordan Mechner and stuff. It was good. People who you know, no one's heard from. Yeah, just proves you put, Toby, you put, Toby you put Gard, the, the legwork in, you get like yeah. really interesting stuff. I mean, that was Toby what, three or four months work or? Uh, two and a half months, I'd say. Yeah. Um, a lot of, for me, late nights, just chatting to people in America to try and get it up, up and running. Uh, we really didn't do the the prep work for that feature. If we'd known, we probably would have put a year aside. Where, yeah, I mean, we'd if you want, if you wanted to plan really far ahead in the future, you could do it. I think quite easily mm. if you plan two years in advance. Yeah. But putting it together in two months was a Herculean yeah. effort. But, and of course, uh, it was, no, three, it was all in three D as well. 
It was. It was in three D issue. Yeah, eye popping three D. And on a, on a very personal note, I was I was quite chuffed um, way back before then with um, when Assassin's Creed Two um, started coming out to be invited to the studios and then learned that a story that I wrote helped create the story mm. of Assassin's Creed 2. Mm. I thought that was pretty cool. That Which they gave you no credit for. They gave me no credit. They didn't put me you in the credits. You thought you put like a little list of thanks. Yeah. yeah. Um, thanks to, uh, well, Matthew Pellet. Yeah. Well, you know, three sticks in my crawl. <laughs> you had to say so those four uh, words. words. But yeah, it's nice to know, like obviously what we write, the developers, you know, take on board and use anyway, but it's nice to know that something we wrote was actually so important to the, influenced, yeah. to the developers that they used that feature to help create the story of Assassin's Creed. I'm not saying they created the whole thing, but just... We should talk about, uh, you know, we've got the new issue on shelves right now. Yeah, so the new issue is out, uh, well, it's out today. It'll be Friday when this goes up, so it's out yesterday. Uh, really exciting, really, really encourage you to go down to get it because it's the last ever issue in the old design. Uh, we've done a really nice cover as well, a real sort of special cover um, for Hitman, which is uh, the game we're leading with. And that's the thing; it was a real nice game to go out with because yeah, we were, it's, it's yeah. one of this. If you ask anyone on the team to list their favorite yeah. games, Hitman's coming. Long-time listeners will have heard us talk. The three of us talk about Hitman a yeah. lot of podcasts. It's a real nice game to go out with, uh, but let's not talk about the doom and gloom because we're not really going out at all. No, no, no. It's. I mean, we. I guess it does sound a bit sort of like we're. Attending our own funeral, not that it's not that at all. Uh, it, you know, the the new redesign looks spanking. We're so chuffed with it. It goes on sale first of September, but this this issue on sale now is all I mean is it's the last issue of that kind of era of Xbox. Yeah, we're World, like caterpillars in a cocoon yeah, right know, now. The thing is there, there's been next there's month. been sort of like a series of very notable distinct eras. You know, there was the uh, original era when the uh, the old owners mm. back in the day. Then there was the uh, the early future era in the Xbox days. Then there was the the Tim Weaver era, relaunched in the Xbox three Xbox World three sixty. Moving forward, you know we uh, we had a sort of you know, a real refresh of the design around like, issue ninety something. Eighty six. Yeah. Eighty oh, nine. It was eighty nine. Perhaps yeah. across it's quite yeah, it was, We had a refresh of the design, and then this is kind of a new era. This is the two thousand eleven version of the magazine. It's yeah. Just, just dragging it bang up to date and people will notice like maybe yeah. i think that if you got bought the latest issue one thing you might have noticed name of the mags changed yeah so we're it's going to be called xbox just plain old xbox world we're going which back is what you guys all call it anyway and that's, yeah. that's why we changed it and, i mean look uh, it's like it's what you guys call it it's what we call it so let's just call it what it is let's just name it what and it's it is. A, i guess a degree of future proofing as well because you know when we go on to talk about xbox 720 or whatever it ends up being called we don't have to change the name of the match. We're screwed again. if they call it the Y box. <laughs> yeah, Z box. Yeah. Um, but anyway, let's talk about the new issue. We got we got tons of stuff in there. Hitman leading the uh, leading the way, uh, an exclusive. We've uh, mic chatted to the guys on the team. Um, we've got some new screenshots. Um, uh, tons of stuff, really in depth. We've gone on it, um, and that kind of leads a a previews uh, kind of uh, section which is takes in everything coming in the next 12 months and actually a little bit beyond the next 12 months but uh, e every game coming in the next 12 months so it's super comprehensive it's got all the big games in it we've got new stuff on all the big games and um, guys working on them we've got interviews all the way through it yeah, yeah. interviews all the way through developer quotes direct developers getting directly involved in it you know kind of telling us about their game and uh, and we're, I think it's really come out well and uh, and you know uh, alongside that we've got all the kind of usual stuff you'd expect from from the mag um and uh you know a book uh detailing all the sort of gaming easter eggs and that kind of thing matt's dvd although it, that is also getting a significant overhaul for the, the redesign and, and i must say having watched the the new 
DVD. It's absolutely brilliant. And Matt's done a, a spanking job on it. And I advise you all to get excited about that. So that's the new mag. It's on sale today. Go out and get it. Uh, and you'll be able to get a glimpse of the redesigned Mac. But, well, the very basic glimpse of it because we've got the new logo in there. We've yeah. got a little bit of a clue as to the kind of direction we're going in. Um, so you've also got on DVD, you've got uh, more podcasts, you've got the inside, ex- exclusive DVD podcast. You can only get it if you actually pick up the mag, the Insider Cast. Yeah, so... Um, so if you like if you like our podcast, then you'll probably... In fact, in the Insider like Cast, do we... We do uh, We do talk about the redesign, oh, no, actually. That's a different Insider Cast. Oh, is it? I'll get confused. Oh, right, so okay. many Insider Casts we've oh, recorded. Oh, maybe, we're, maybe that's the one after. Oh, I can't remember. Who knows? Anyway, <laughs> it's, um, that's the kind of tight shit we run. <laughs> we can't even remember what we've recorded. Yeah. But anyway... That's that. So um, do, yeah, run out and get it. Let us know what you think um, about what you what you see in the mag and uh, and uh, in the usual channels. Mike's always on Twitter. We'll we'll respond to you. I, I'm sort of look uh, after Facebook. We'll, we'll bank on it. And uh, send oh, you can send uh, emails to us at uh, xbw@futurenet.com. So uh, I don't know how long you guys are talking before this, but it's, I imagine it's been quite a long one. So uh, we hope you enjoyed it and uh, and, uh, and thanks very much for listening. See yeah. you soon. Bye. Bye bye.